When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's Tripe Supper. I'm Dom Shaw and I'm joined by Phil, Phil Talentair and Jonathan Taylor as ever uh, to look back on the victory over QPR last week, which now feels an eternity ago, and to look ahead to the, to the game at Huddersfield on Saturday. And on the subject of that game, we've got Alex Porter from the Huddersfield Examiner with us, our first ever special guest. On the yeah, we're summer. branching out now. This yeah. is um, so popular that we've been able to afford to bring in uh, ringers, so to speak, yeah. So yeah, I, to get was, an outside view. We said it would be tough to get an Ipswich reporter down, we think, for the game next <laughs> yeah. week. We'll be pushing it a bit, might it? Two minutes <laughs> out of the office to come in. Um, looking back, before we move on to that Huddersfield game, obviously there's been plenty of talk looking back to the, to the QPR game. More to the point, Karanka's comments, which uh, rather funked up a, a, an awful night in terms of the football we'd seen. What, what's the feeling three or four days on? Because um, the poll, when we, when we asked fans what they thought, they're, they're back Karanka. What, what's the feeling, you know, looking back on Karanka's comments and what he, might have, what he might have wanted, I guess, in terms of a reaction from what he said? Yeah, I mean, I agree with the, the reaction that I've seen, and it's unscientific, but things like Twitter and what have you. Most people, the fans who responded to the piece I did about it, were saying, aren't fans there to shout for the team and support the team? They were pretty supportive of Karanka. I think... Um, I think it's the sort of thing you can do occasionally, isn't it, as a manager? You can have a little bit of a go at the fans if you've got a track record of, track record of normally being very complimentary and saying they're amazing. And, and to be fair, the, 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 you know, the, the attendances over the, over the time that Crank has been here have steadily improved to the point where we now think that anything under 20,000 is a big disappointment, mm. whereas that would have been a great gate two years ago. Um, I think what he was saying, I understand what he was saying, you know, if, it's, if you're struggling to break down a team that's parked the bus, two banks of four, as we saw on Friday night, one a keeper in a bank of ten, um, it's sometimes going to be difficult, but, he, and he wants the crowd not to express the frustration, but the crowd have seen quite a few games now where Borough haven't really threatened the opposition box too much, you know, the opposition goalkeepers barely had to make a save, Borough had one... Two, two shots top on target on Friday night and best will in the world that's not good enough and, and we also got to accept that football is an entertainment industry it isn't cheap we know there's a big picture which is Borough winning promotion but there's also people who want just a Friday night at the match to enjoy um, so I've got a bit of sympathy for both sides of the argument I think we were all banging the desk and kicking mm. <laughs> kicking the block in front <clears> with <throat> our feet weren't we, when yet another move broke down but you know we we're technically neutral, but um, the fans aren't neutral. They they want they want their team to you know to have a to look as though they've got a chance of scoring for for a good half hour on Friday night. Borough didn't look as though they could score. I think that's the point. It wasn't just the fact that it was nil nil, and and Borough hadn't brought them down. It was the fact that they didn't look like scoring, did the John? Until the the goal came and it was a stroke of luck. I mean, a penalty is in in the ninety fourth minute is a stroke of luck, whether you deserve it or not. But was that was that? What, do you think is that where the fans' frustration comes from? It's, I mean, I don't know. I remember when the players were coming out, and usually, you know, pig bag wins round, and there's a bit of an atmosphere generating. I remember saying to you, Dom, that it didn't quite sound right. There was something not quite there. 
Now, I don't know whether because it was, it was a freezing cold night, it was a Friday, Friday night, yeah, and yeah. a long week, all that kind of thing, all make them into play. But from the outset, it, something felt a little bit strange, and I think it's a, it was a case of... You know, Borough expect to win every single home game, but this was, and, and they expected to beat QPR, um, but they had no godforsaken right to go and beat a team like that. And I think that's what Carranta was saying, wasn't it? He was saying this is a, the team that played in the Premier League five months ago. You know, we have you know, no right to go and beat the. So it's I don't know. And I agree with Phil that it's it's okay to kind of criticise occasionally, but. I know he did it last year. He had a little pop at the the home fans last year, didn't he? Uh, saying they wished they were more like the away fans. But um, I mean, it's certainly it's something you can only do when you're winning games. Because yeah. as soon yeah. as you start going in a little run, and then that gets people's backs up. Um, the storm that came after it, obviously, I went home and saw that Ian Holloway had a pop as well. Um, I think that was a little bit perhaps overboard. I think Karanka's comments were pretty much bang on. You not too many. Too many people disagree with that. But I thought Holloway's was a little bit heavy-handed, really, saying that was, he's never seen a, a set of fans you know, hinder their team as much as that. I don't know if it's about that, but it's going to be interesting the next home game. Um, obviously, Everton, you'd expect that to be a good atmosphere, and Borough won't be favourites for that one, for sure. Well, I wonder, uh, and it might just be me, but I remember last year, and I can't remember which games it was, uh, but when Karanka said those things about the fans, he did get a reaction. Uh, and the reaction was a positive one. I remember there was a, an increase in attendances because I, I did wonder which way it'd go. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the games off the top of my head. I should really check beforehand. But um, it, it, it worked for him and the fans came out. And there was a great atmosphere. There was an attendance, attendance increase. And I just wonder whether Karanka had that in mind, knowing that the Everton game is the next home game and knowing that Everton are going to bring 4,800 and, and make an atmosphere from their point of view. You just wonder whether he's trying to, you know, whether he's kind of starting early, I guess. In the, uh, I know, it's, it's also a difficult one. That, I think there might be a little bit in that. and I mean, last season, let's be honest, Borough were great at home. He, he, he turned up most weeks and Borough won. It, it's not often you can say that in any, any club in any season where you, you turn up for a home game and expect to win, and normally you do win. Borough's home record, as we know, was terrific. Um, I think the fans have been great by and large. Terrific away following, as we know, one of the best in the division. Um, the home gates, as I've said before, are going up uh, at a steady increase. The atmosphere is normally pretty good, thanks to the lads in the south stand particularly. You've mm. turned that into a home end. Um, was uh, I don't know whether it was intended to be so, but I think Friday's comments did take away from the performance in terms of it stopped people talking about the performance, which was, to use the cliche, a game of two halves, because QPR in the first half didn't have any intention of crossing the halfway line, and that made it difficult for Burr. And I do sympathise for Karank. It must be awful to set your team up knowing that you're going to have to battle your way through a brick wall yeah. um, but the second half QPR fancied themselves they've clearly been told at half time Borough are struggling a little bit the crowd's not really with them if we have a go we could snatch this and that's nearly what happened uh, I think Karanka must have ice in his veins if if Friday's game plan how it transpires how he expects it oh, yeah. you know that he's basically saying if we keep going we will score I'm convinced we'll score and, and to be fair normally Borough do Mm. I know they're finding it hard to score, but they're normally finding a way, at home at least. Um, but I can't believe that he was sat there, or stood there, two minutes before the 90 minutes were up, thinking, it's, all, it's OK, we're going to get the winner, uh, my plan will come to fruition. If he has, he's the, he's, he's, um, he, like I say, he's got ice in his veins. Well, his reaction at the end, didn't it, told it all, I thought. Um, Alex, kind of before we started, you'd mentioned to us that you saw Borough as one of the contenders beforehand. Um, I don't know whether you were just saying that to make, make us feel a little bit before we start. But Very 17, welcome. Yeah, 17 games in, do you, from what you've seen, do you, do you still think Borough 
are one of the teams to beat? Yeah, definitely. I think um, they are certainly deservedly up towards the top of the table. And even though they may have been struggling to score, they're actually quite impressive to watch. Like certainly before the last few games, you you see them. It was it was it was enjoyable. It was, and um, I still think they've got as a squad of very good players clearly playing for the manager and I think there's no reason why they shouldn't at least be in the playoff places come the end of their season. And, and Huddersfield kind of said, said we respect you know, teams where they are at the minute. When, when Borough have come up against teams like that this year, they have shut up shop, haven't they? They played Rotherham and Charlton and they did exactly that. Uh, I read some quotes from Paul Clement saying exactly the same that uh, teams are coming up against Derby are just setting up with 10 men behind the ball. Do you think they'll, they'll set up like that on Saturday or is that not what new boss David Wagner will try, and, will try to implement? You know, what's the early signs there? I think it's an interesting one in, in many ways because uh, I think one of the reasons why they said goodbye to Chris Powell is because he was, he was cautious and at times overly so and not when you're facing one of the top teams in the division, he was, he was cautious anyway. And um, Wagner's, in, in theory, the opposite of that. He likes to win possession high up the pitch. He likes to win possession back straight away. You know, he's got a good record of bringing youngsters through. Um, and so the honest answer, I think, is we're all excited to find out what he's going to do against a top team. I mean, Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday are a good side and certainly better than Huddersfield are at the moment, but Middlesbrough, I think, are a, a different kettle of fish. Um, but I think he set up quite positively against, against Wednesday and certainly more positively than his predecessor would have done. Again, whether we see that on Saturday against the team looking for promotion is, oh, I don't know, we've found to find out. It's a tough start for him, isn't it? You know, Wednesday are going well, obviously Yorkshire Derby and then Borough. You can't have asked for a much tougher start, I don't think, can he? No, I don't think so. He, he made all the right noises about being excited about the Yorkshire Derby and saying it was sort of another reason to be excited about his first game. Uh, this is his first home game, the first game in front of most of the fans, um, and he probably, if he's being honest with himself, would have wanted a slightly easier ride. <laughs> John, we touched on this last week. Uh, we looked back at the Wigan game last week when Malky Mackay, sorry, last season when Malky Mackay just come in. Is it, is it a good time to play Huddersfield new manager or is it the worst possible time? I don't know, ask me about five o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> um, I don't know, I mean, it's interesting that usually when you're in the lead up to a game where you've got one team with a new manager and one team, you know, like Borough, all the attention's on the new manager, but I think there's a bit of pressure on Borough on this game. Um, they were well beaten at Hull. You know, I don't think anyone can complain about that. And against QPR, I mean, most people will have looked at that. And albeit Bruin, you know, were comfortable enough for most of the game, weren't overly impressive. So the last, you know, fans will probably look and say the last time we've seen Bruin play well is how many weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So there will be pressure, and people will expect Bruin to turn up and just roll over the Huddersfield team, which in itself brings its own pressure. And um, you, you know you've seen it time and time again. New manager, you know you know what happens, don't you? They, they tend to win the first game. So, I mean, on paper, both teams will probably fancy the chances, and especially Huddersfield if they can get a result against Borough, whatever a result, what a platform that is to to build off. That's what, well, that's why the championship is relentless, isn't it? You yeah. just don't get any gimmies, really. You know, you, you you're thinking, you know, look at the fixture list coming up, and we we talked about Ipswich away is always difficult. Brighton away coming up, Borough's record there is fantastic, but Brighton are still unbeaten, still, still unbeaten, unbeaten. incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, Birmingham to the Riverside, you'd normally think that's pretty much your home banker, but they've had a great season yeah. under Rowett. I know the the couple of results haven't gone the way more recently, but I think he's 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 performed miracles there, really, given the squad he inherited. So you just don't get a gimme in the championship. And I, 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 going back to what John was talking about, I think it's a it's a tough game on Saturday when you've got a manager 
who is looking to lay down a marker, particularly to the sort of managers Alex says, who who wants to win yeah. the ball high up the pitch. That isn't the kind of team Borough like playing. It's not the kind of team anybody likes playing, frankly, because you know you're going to get a tough afternoon. You know our our Middlesbrough front players aren't going to get any time on the ball. I suspect that's the first thing I'd be saying to to my players if I was Wagner to say, you know, you've got to hurry the Middlesbrough's attacking three because they want space. They need space to exploit. And we've seen before, haven't we, that when Borough are struggling to find room in the final third, they struggle to create chances. What's the feel around Huddersfield and Alex? I mean, obviously, I guess, I guess again, this is said without covering the club, but you feel for a club like Huddersfield that the first priority every year is surely, surely staying up and then looking to build you know, top half, sort of mid-table top half, maybe sneaking into playoff places. Is the genuine, was there a genuine feel that they were underachieving with power? Yeah, and I think it comes back to what you were saying about football being an entertainment business as well. I mean, we can't really get away from it. Even People want to be entertained, even even when you're getting a result, yeah. a run of wins. If they're all 1-0s so where they're all boring, fans will still be complaining. Um, and I think that, that caution, and Huddersfield don't have a lot of money to spend. They're never going to spend a lot of money. Um, so he wasn't sort of bringing an entertaining style or bringing very many of the club's youngsters through either. And they've got a crack in the academy there. I mean, top of the under-21 league, one ten on the bounce, and they weren't bringing anybody through. Uh, so I think the feeling is a genuinely one of excitement, actually. Um, you know, got quite a few people sort of tweeting us in the week, last week, saying, oh, I've not been for a while, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one because they see it as the start of a new era of something that could be really exciting. And it's a departure for the club in the new manager, someone who's not very well known, he's foreign, his previous experience has him working under one of the most exciting managers in England at the moment. It's a departure definitely for the club and also for most of the clubs in the Championship. I mean Middlesbrough, probably the exception to the rule with Karanka. So yeah, there is a real optimism and excitement at the moment. Whether that continues after the next few weeks I'm not sure because I think he's definitely trying to teach a style that they're not used to and it's, as we saw last Saturday, they tailed off. The fitness is something he's, he's banged on about quite a lot, improving that, and until that comes, they're going to struggle. So it's it's not going to be a quick fix. It's going to take a while, and whether the fans are still excited in four to five weeks after, if there has been a few losses, then um, that's probably another conversation then, isn't it? It's interesting to focus on, John, because we were talking last week about how Carranca, when he came in, had the ideas of bringing Spanish players in with him, and he, and he soon changed tack when he saw the league. It will be interesting, won't it, to see five, six weeks down the line whether Wagner has changed his approach a bit, whether he thinks, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to do this to make sure we stay up this year and then, and then look to build up. How similar is Wagner's appointment to what Karanka's was? In so much as it's uh, an outsider who, unless you study German football or Spanish football, you wouldn't have known much about their coaching credentials. I know Karanka obviously worked with Real Madrid, so if you followed the... La Liga, you'd have an awareness that he was around there, and of course he was a Real Madrid player, so, uh, and a very good one. Um, so in that respect, it's a Carranca was a big de- departure for Borough because he was the first foreign manager. I'm not sure if Huddersfield have had any other no, foreign managers. Is it so? It's um, so it's it, it, it's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? I think the difference, if there is a difference, and again Alex will tell no better than me, is we knew when Carranca came, he'd get time. Yeah. You knew he wasn't expected to get Middlesbrough in the top six in his first season, his, you know, from November onwards to, to May, whatever you want to call it. We knew the next season, if Borough didn't get up, he would, the, and providing it hadn't been a disastrous bottom six season, he wasn't going to get the boot. So he's had the peace of mind that the chairman wants him to, to, to build from the bottom up 
create a solid squad and challenge for promotion. And obviously last season the target was the playoffs, this season the target's the top two. I'm not sure exactly what Wagner's been told at Huddersfield, but I would imagine this season they'll want to see, as, as you've said, an improvement in, in terms of results and presumably a comfortable top-half finish at some point. It's interesting because um, appointing a rookie outsider, you know, first managerial job can go one of two ways and we'll see which way it goes. I mean, the first one would be, you know, the players will go, well, hang on, who's this? I mean, blah, 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 blah. The other way is there's a little bit of mystery, which worked with Cranker. He went in there and he changed things pretty quickly and he you know, ripped up the foundations and started again from the back. Um, the players all bought into the training ethic and you know he ripped up the training schedule and, and completely did it again. And if a rookie manager goes in and makes an impact like that so quickly, then you know it is a positive. And from what I've been hearing at Huddersfield, that is the case. I mean, I, I think I saw some quotes from Dean Whitehead in the week saying that you know. I think they went away a warm weather training camp or something. Compared with Kirk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he said, you know, training's fantastic, you know, completely new, blah, blah, blah. So it's going to be interesting. Um, but what, I mean, what Karanka's kind of facing now, he did come in with kind of minimal expectation. And then, albeit, you, you know, stabilised the first season. Last season, he really raised that expectation. And now this season, he's almost kind of, well, not paying the price, wouldn't go that far, but... He is, he is really living and dying by that expectation now. Borough, if Borough finish in the playoffs, everyone will see that as a massive disappointment. Full, well, I, full stop. I think that comes with what we were saying to go back to the start and this thing with the frustration in that when you do spend as much as Borough spend, and like we say, they did spend a lot by championship standards, expectations undoubtedly rise. And, and suddenly, although I do get this argument about, well, QPR were in the Premier League last year, but it, there's almost this feeling, well, we can't be content just to be... Just to be Playing against these sides, you know what I mean. It comes, it comes back to what we're talking about. It, it's, it, it, it's great having the right manager, but any manager in, on the planet will tell you it's about the players as well. Mm. And if you haven't got the players, you can do so much. You can, as Cranker did in his first season, he transformed the defence basically by adopting a more defensive first strategy and having clearly very good training regiment and routines. But Wagner will get to a point where, like all managers do, you hit a glass ceiling. Mm. And if, if he isn't supported, you know, I don't see Huddersfield week in, week out, so I don't know just how strong the squad is, but I would imagine they'll, they'll, they'll probably want three or four players. If you know, Any manager always says, I could, I could have more players. Yeah. So, you know, with Borough, the pressure, as you say rightly, he's strengthened. The expectation is now top two because he's been given that support. If the chairman says to Wagner... I want top two in two years' time. He's going to say, you're going to have to give me some players. Yeah. I'm up against Borough, who've got Stuart Downing yeah. and David Nugent. I'm up against Hull City, who've got three or four players who are top-notch championship, if not premier players, yeah. who've come in. So, um, you know, you can... that That's the big sort of question mark, I suppose, isn't it, over Wagner, is, is that just how much support is he going to get from his chairman? I know, as you say, that um, expectations will probably rise if he does better. It's the cynical way of looking at the championship, isn't it? But money tends to rise to the top. And teams Especially this year when they know. Will he, will he get backed? I mean, Huddersfield, when you look back, they're not, they're not the big spenders, but the work within the means and the work well done, you know, the likes of Dean Whitehead was a, was a, a coy, clever signing, wasn't it, in the signing? Will, do you think that there will be any promise of money there for Wagner, or is it a case of we'll wait and see? I think there should be, um, just simply for the fact if you if you do the sums from what they did in the summer in terms of the players they sold and the players they brought in, 
they were probably never going to spend all of that, but there's surely a sizable chunk that is there to be spent and hasn't yet been spent. Whether he'll get that in January or choose to use it in January or next summer, I, I don't know, but I, I would have thought if he wants to bring in a few players, then he, he certainly the money should be there for him to do that. Got good money for Butterfield, didn't he, for yeah. one? Didn't half, yeah. yeah. And we did as well, if you yeah. remember, right? We yeah. <laughs> a bit of that, didn't we? Uh, John, just before we wrap up, Alex touched there on the, uh, the youngsters available at Huddersfield. Now they're doing well. Uh, obviously, Borough qualified for the next round of the UEFA Youth League this week, and plenty of talk of Harry Chapman again. I know we've touched on this before, but it seems the right time to, to talk about it again. How close uh, is Chapman and, and any of the other players? I mean, you follow the, the under-21s closer than the rest of us. Is anyone knocking on the door? Um, well, yes, there is. I mean, you look at the results, and I think the under-21 certainly have won a handful on the bounce, and are now above like some Man United, Chelsea in the league, that kind of thing. But, I mean, we've asked Ito, you know, on numerous occasions about players, you know, and he, he said, look, look what happened with Dale Fry at the start of the season. When the time's right, I'm not scared of, of putting them in. But equally, and I agree with Ito here, he's got a responsibility to time this right. Because if he puts a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid on the pitch and he gets rattled by the fullback or, or whatever, um, and you never see him again, well, that's, you know, he's gone back 10 steps, hasn't he, in his, his development. I would say that I understand that a lot of Borough fans are, are wanting to see the likes of Chapman, like the likes of you know Maloney that's been on the fringes, yeah. you know Fry. I understand all that, and you know, but I don't think anyone's more qualified than I talk Ranker in judging a young player, for, arguably at the minute. Obviously, with his background in Spanish youth t- national youth team football, um, so I don't expect to see anyone certainly in the, the immediate future. I think that. The under-19s are playing at a decent level against the European heavyweights. The under-21s are playing the best academies in the country. You've got a handful of players, you know, like Bryn Morris, you know, like Johnny Byrne, that are already out on loan at football league clubs, getting experience. Um, I don't think there's any need, especially at this time, for Middlesbrough to rush anyone. Um, and I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the second half of the season, you know, we see one or two. You know, maybe in the FA Cup you'll see one. Um, but I think they'll get through to the next kind of summer and they'll they'll have another real good look at everyone in pre-season like they did this year um, I don't think there's any need to rush anyone I mean one option is of course is to put um, Harry Chapman in the under 21s at that slightly higher level again and keep him there I know, he, I know he's got experience already but you know is he? it's one thing to set the world on fire playing against under 19 opposition if he steps up to the 21s again after this great experience and, and, and continues to deliver the goals, John will sees them much more than I do, the 21s. And I know it's not anywhere near comparable to the championship, but it's, um, it's, 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 it's a higher level again. Yeah. And then if he does okay in that, if he's still maintaining a high consistency of performance, maybe he's put him on the bench, starting off with the cup ties, you know, getting 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. I mean, a comparable player to me would be Adam Johnson at that age, mm. when he he burst onto the scene, he came off the bench in a UEFA Cup tie when he was about seventeen, and he got a couple of cameos here and there. But looking at the stats today, funny enough, he didn't really become a regular till the two thousand and nine ten season after Borough being relegated. Plenty of clamour, yeah. Wasn't it, I mean, obviously Borough were a Premier League team, so it's mm. a slightly higher level. But nonetheless, Johnson, who turned out to be an England international, let's not forget, and won the title with Manchester City, so. If, if, if Harry Chapman gets anywhere near Adam Johnson, he'll be doing well. So there's an example of a player who, although he was looking the business at 17, he didn't really establish himself as a first-team regular in the Championship till he was, what, 21, something like that, 2021. So 
so it's easy to get excited. It's great. I love talking about young players like that because it's what football's all about, and the fans love it because they think they've got the next Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney whoever. But um, you've also got to be a little bit careful and, and, and protect that player as well because you know for 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 every player that makes it at seventeen, eighteen, there's another twenty who get nowhere near. With Chapman, he probably he broke on the in the twenty one kind of scene. I remember it. He, um, the first time I really remember him for the twenty ones was at the Hawthorns, and it was probably in January, February, you know, last season. Uh, and it was him and Junior Mondal who plays on the other flank to him. Both around the same time, both very quick, very exciting to watch. Both very highly rated. Um, so they've, they've been playing for kind of you know probably about half a season, yeah. three quarters of a season in total. Um, both of them are playing together for the under-19s. Both of them are playing together for the under-21s now. Um, but yeah, as I, I kind of agree with Phil, there's no there's no rush. I mean, yeah. they, they are playing. Now, the under-21 schedule is quite kind of relentless. They've, they've <laughs> seem to have had a nightmare in terms of fixtures getting rearranged. But certainly over the next kind of two months, they're playing pretty regularly. Every seven to ten days, you'll have the under-19s back in February. Um, I think the next game is against Tottenham, I think, on Monday at Rockcliffe. What a great opportunity it is to go and see how, how good you are compared to those, you know, Premier League, you know, heavyweight rate. How good are you compared to those youngsters? Um, the worst thing in the world would be to, you know, throw one of these youngsters in straight away and, and then they, you know, they're never, they're never seen again because, you know, they deserve more than that. Alex, obviously you want to watch Chapman play the lights, but from your experience of watching young players play, do, do you agree with the saying and it's a fine line between getting them experience, giving them experience and just pushing them in too early and before, before the time? Yeah, definitely. I think it's fans often forget it because we are excited as fans and as journalists as well when we see a young player burst onto the scene. But I think um, I was reading the average age for a Premier League debut now is 22 or 23. And the Championship is a tough league for a young player, arguably in some ways tougher than the Premier League in terms of physicality and the, the intensity of the game. And it, we're, we're very easy to say, oh, so-and-so should be coming in. But it's not it's not fair to them, really. I mean, they're they're trying to make a career for themselves the next fifteen twenty years. We there are some fans who are looking to the next three weeks, mm. and it's not really fair for us to go put in a young player and then we as an industry we're quite quick to write players off as well if they don't have a couple of good games. Something always not good enough, and actually it might be that he's just been thrown in a little bit too quickly. But equally, I'm going to play a devil's advocate, and if you ask any of the players that are coming up, I reckon if you go and ask Harry Chapman tomorrow, if you go ask. Lewis Maloney, Dale Fry, they'll say that they're ready to play. Oh, yeah. And you know, fair play to them, they yeah, may yeah. well be ready. And there have been examples in the past yeah. where good young players have been kept out of the team by players who probably shouldn't have been in the way. Well, Downing down and Zendham was yeah. the prime yeah. example. You know, wasn't you know, the, so it, you're absolutely right, I agree. There is a devil's advocate viewpoint in that you know, this might be the time for Harry mm. Chapman, but it's very rare, it's incredibly rare that a player that young... Yeah comes into a championship side like Alex is saying and you know it's an incredibly tough league and rips it up he might have a great 10 minute cameo but that's a different thing how many times have we seen, seen players just disappear out yeah. of a match mm-hmm. because they get the ball the first two or three times nothing happens the next time they get the ball they're cleaned out just below Luke the knee Luke Williams to Luke a Williams is a classic yeah. example everybody without you know using all the time up you talk to anybody at the club about Luke Williams five years ago and they would say the same thing. He's the most technically gifted player we've had for years. He's easily the most te- technically gifted player in the first team squad, barring maybe one or two, if not anybody. So, And he didn't make it at Middlesbrough. He just didn't make it. Not because he didn't have the physics, didn't have the, the gifts. He just didn't have the, whether it was the mental toughness, the physical toughness, 
to adapt. I'm not sure if Chapman's the same sort of player. He looks a little bit more robust to me. But nonetheless, there's a classic example of a player who made his debut at 16, Luke Williams. We kept waiting and waiting and waiting. He was given his chance and um, it just didn't happen for him. It's a real shame because he's technically gifted, but there's no guarantees. Equally as well, sorry, John. Equally, it, it, it's, I guess you've got to be careful with the loan moves. It's easy to say... You know, let, let's send him out and let's get him experience. But League One, League Two, to touch on what you were saying, is is even more brutal than the Championship, isn't it? And that you've got some some seasoned campaigner who's ready to lump this young young promising kind of mm-hmm. jingy footed winger out of the out of the ground, isn't he? I think there's two important things for a young player, isn't there? It's playing regularly and getting experience. And um, you can you know, we've seen it last season. You know, some of the 21s did go out on loan and it just didn't work. They, you know, they came back three or four weeks later, you know, with the uh, ego is kind of massively bruised and it doesn't work. But it can work and, you know, you speak to Dave Parnaby quite, quite regularly about it and he says every player has a different pathway. For some, you know, like Ben Gibson, going out on loan, you know, made him, it defined him yeah, to the player that he is now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> for other players... Adam Reach, Adam Reach came back yeah. different player, didn't he, last yeah. year? But, but I think the thing with, with that was Adam Reach... Switch, something switched on upstairs for Adam Reach mm. where he, he realised he, he said this put subsequently he went out on loan and realised I don't want to play at this level yeah. I want to play for Middlesbrough and he realised to play for Middlesbrough I'm going to have to up my game a bit and too many players go out on loan saying I don't want to play at this level but then don't they don't come back and think, Do right, I'm going to find another 10% to prove that I can play at this level and that, that as, you, as John O'Reilly says a lot of players go and don't really benefit from it um, you know, Adam Johnson had a few loan spells. He went some. He went to Leeds when they were a basket case, and it was it didn't didn't work for him. Well, one, one of their other ex, one of their one of their many years is. I thought I don't know whether this was um, around the time of Dennis Wise or before or after, but it didn't work for him. But he went to Watford, and he got he found a manager who put an arm around him and 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 actually rated him, loved him to bits, and got the best out of him. And that was probably the making of Adam Johnson that loan spell at Watford. So. Yeah. It's horses for courses, but um, and even Downing, sorry, but in Downing, yeah, Sunderland, Sunderland. I remember Mick McCarthy was waxing lyrical yeah. about him, wasn't he, when he came back? Downing, did, Downing didn't want to come back because no. he was playing well, and the clown uh, was going to sell him. Yeah, yeah. literally was going to sell him. We can get another half an hour out of that. Uh, that's brilliant. I think we'll wrap up there. Thanks again for that, Alex. I do sincerely hope it works out for Wagner, just not starting this Saturday. <laughs> for us. Uh, we'll be on the live blog from the John Smiths from two p.m. on Saturday. Thanks again. Cheers now.